This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 177 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's topic is sponsored by Eco Gold, high performance products for the ultimate in comfort and protection for your horse. Visit them at ecogold.ca. Enjoy today's tip. Glenn the Geek back with you from beautiful Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Well, the preparations are certainly underway now for the Rolex event here in Lexington at the Kentucky Horse Park at the end end of the month, actually two weeks from now. And their tent city is going up over there for the vendors, and they're getting the cross-country course ready. And, of course, this year, it's also the test events for the jumping and dressage for the World Equestrian Games. So we'll have a whole full week of activities over there at the Kentucky Horse Park. And I'm actually hoping uh, to maybe record some tips with some people I find over there. We're hoping that uh, we can make that sort of a fun off-site event. I'll try and get that accomplished for you the week of Rolex. Well, today we are continuing Vet Week, and we have back with us a newest expert to the Horse Radio Network, a family of experts here at Horse Tip Daily, and her name is Dr. Jenny Johnson. She runs Oak Hill Shockwave and Veterinary Chiropractic that is based in Calabasas, California. And Dr. Johnson is committed to the maintenance and performance horses, as well as family pets. She's a regular contributor to the Jumping Radio Show, which is part of the Horse Radio Network. And the, this tip is taken off of episode number five. And it is co-hosted by Chris Stafford. You can hear the rest of that show by visiting jumpingradio.com. We'll get to Dr. Johnson in just a second with her vet tip of the week. But first, we want to talk about Eco Gold. For high-performance saddle pads and horse boots, you can't find a better company than our friends up there in Canada at Eco Gold. They are non-slip, 100% breathable, and the ultimate in comfort and protection for your horse. They're made with high-tech materials and state-of-the-art design. Eco Gold's innovative products are the top choice of riders that you know and love, like Philip Dutton, McLean Ward, Ashley Holzer, Karen O'Connor, Boyd Martin, and Jessica Phoenix. For more information about this fantastic line of products, you you definitely want to check out their website. There's lots of good information there as well. You can go to ecogold.ca. That's E-C-O-G-O-L-D dot C-A. Now on to Dr. Johnson. Hi, Jenny. How are you this week? Oh, I'm excellent, Chris. How about you? I'm just fine, thank you. Absolutely. Now, you can't beat it when you know, the, green, the grass is green in Kentucky and you're able to ride a horse. There's not much better than that, is there? No, I suppose not. <laughs> well, uh, you you've got some you always got some useful tips for us. We we're really getting uh, we're getting very used to this. It's, I hope hope you'll make it a habit, Jenny. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely going to make it a habit. I've been enjoying it very much. Terrific. Well, what have you got for us this week? Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about colic and what to do before the vet comes when you have a horse that's colicking. Oh, that's great. I mean that you know that's. It's such a, a an urgent moment, isn't it? And and if you and if you haven't had the experience around colic cases, it can put you into a blind panic, can't it? As to, you know, if you if you think you know what's happening, but you really don't know how it can evolve, um, that is a critical time, isn't it? Between um, identifying that you need the vet and then waiting for the vet to arrive. Yes, it is, and I think that uh, as you said, it's, it is certainly a very 
a panic-filled moment when, when we see our horses uncomfortable and, and sometimes we feel a bit helpless and uh, certainly a great sense of angst and uh, we'd like to be able to do as much as we can for our horse. And I think to that end, there's a number of skills that every horse owner should have uh, and, and these will come in handy not only in the case of colic but certainly any, really any other type of medical emergency and just general well-being of the horse. I think these are important skills that, a, that an owner should have. I think um, very first is that an owner should be able to take a horse's pulse. And the most common way to take the pulse is to roll your fingers underneath the horse's mandible, which is the large cheekbone. And if you take your hand from the outside and just kind of roll it underneath that from the back and then towards the front of the face, you'll be able to feel the uh, vein that travels in there and you can and the artery, and you can feel the uh, pulse there. It takes some skill, and so I think that this is something that owners and trainers and farm managers should work on well before they have any uh, problems with the horse. I think, but I think it's a very basic skill, and I'm always surprised at how infrequently people know how to accomplish it. The other area where you can take a pulse is at the back of the fetlock. There's, uh, there are digital pulses back there at the back of the fetlock, and then a little bit further down. Uh, sort of the, on the pastern at about 4 o'clock and um, 8 o'clock or uh, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock in that area. Again, it takes some practice. The normal pulse of a horse should be, you know, 34, 36, up to 40. I usually take it for 15 seconds and then multiply by 4. I think the real dividing line between normal and abnormal uh, in colic situations are very abnormal, is 60. If you have a heart rate or pulse over 60, that is fairly dramatic. And in examining a horse, I frequently consider that once it gets over 60, I really have to consider that this potentially is a surgical colic. So that the pulse rate will vary depending on the age of the horse, the breed of the horse, their level of fitness, um, those sorts of things. But I think it's something that if you take it consistently on your horse and get a sense of what it is, you'll know what's the normal range for your horse. The next thing I think that people should be able to do is is take a horse's temperature. And uh, hopefully we all know the temperature is taken rectally in the horse. You can use a regular digital thermometer. Just make sure you have a little uh, lube or a little bit of Vaseline on the end of the thermometer. And this, again, most horses are pretty tolerant of it, but uh, you would want to practice this in advance. And, and in colic cases, you're not always going to be able to do this because the horses may be quite uncomfortable and uh, you may not be able to safely take a temperature. But the horse's temperature should be around 100 to 100.5. Generally, when you get over 101, you can start to consider that a low-grade fever. Most horses with colic will not have a fever. So it's, uh, it's useful to have that information Anytime that you have a horse that isn't quite right, I always advise people one of the first things to do is take their temperature. can give you a tip-off if you've got something infectious going on versus uh, something that's not infectious. The other um, things that I think you should be able to do as an owner are take the respiratory rate. That you can easily do even standing outside the stall, just watch the horse. Again, that's going to vary certainly if the horse has just come in from exercise or if the horse is just at rest in the stall. Typically, a resting respiratory rate would be somewhere between 16 and 24. And if you get a lot higher than that, uh, the horse is either uncomfortable uh, or trying to blow off some uh, extra body heat after exercise. 
the pulse rate too, to go back to that for a minute, is a, is a very good indicator of pain. As the horse becomes more and more uncomfortable, the pulse rate will go up. They're directly related. The more painful a horse is, the higher the pulse will be in a situation where they're uh, experiencing colic. The next thing I think is very important for horse owners to understand and, and have an appreciation for is the color of their horse's mucous membranes. This is critical when evaluating a horse with colic and is so helpful when the owner or trainer can, can transmit that information to the veterinarian before they get there. It, it really gives us a sense of where the horse is uh, in hydration in terms of whether they're experiencing any shock or um, just general well-being of the horse. So in order to do that, you want to lift up the horse's lip and just look at their gums. They should be a nice medium pink. The gums should be moist. And uh, you should be able to evaluate the capillary refill time, which is done by taking your thumb or finger and pushing it on the gums until the color blanches out. When you take your finger off, the color should return back to the gums when you count your 1, 1,000. If it's much longer than that, it indicates that you've got dehydration going on, the horse may be going into uh, a mild level of shock. Uh, just variations from that normal are important to note. And certainly the color of the mucous membranes varies from horse to horse, so I think it's important that owners establish in their own mind what looks normal for their horse when their horse is healthy. Uh, and, and variations from that would range from a very pale mucous membranes, white mucous membranes, uh, all the way through the normal pink, up through sort of blue, purple, dark red. Those things are all not good indicators, but things that would be very useful to uh, pass along to your veterinarian. And finally, another thing that I think would be, is really useful is if the owner or the farm manager can go out and purchase an inexpensive stethoscope. It doesn't have to be a medical-grade stethoscope, just a very inexpensive stethoscope from from their local pharmacy and become acquainted and familiar with listening to the horse's gut sounds. Uh, they'll usually, you listen to the horse's gut sounds behind the rib cage and in front of the hip, basically, on the upper area and the lower area of the abdomen on the side. And again, something that needs to be practiced well before the horse is showing any signs of being sick so that you can acquaint yourself with what the normal borborygmal sounds are, the natural gastrointestinal sounds. Typically, you'll hear some gurgling and fluid moving around and some gas pop and squeak, and they may vary a bit from left to right, but get yourself acquainted with what those um, sounds are on a regular basis. That way, if the horse is sick, you can listen to them and, and also pass that information along to the veterinarian and say, you know what, it's less than what I consider to be normal for my horse, or I hear a lot of gut sounds, uh, or I don't hear any. And those are all really helpful uh, pieces of information for the veterinarian. I think uh, it's also important to have a conversation with your veterinarian when your horse is healthy uh, about establishing a protocol for how to deal with colic. Uh, how, you know, in other words, what information is the, the veterinarian going to want? Do they want the horse walked? Do they want you to have medication on hand that you can potentially administer to the horse uh, before the veterinarian gets there. And, and this is a really important point. Many times veterinarians will uh, leave some medication with their trainers or farm managers to administer to a horse before the veterinarian is able to get there. And this, particularly in cases where the veterinarian might be at a great distance to a farm or potentially in a situation where the veterinarian is uh, 
perhaps has a number of other emergencies and can't get there right, right away, this can be very useful. However, I want to stress that before giving any medication to a horse, the owner or manager should always speak with a veterinarian. And the reason for that is giving medication before the veterinarian ro- arrives can substantially change the physical exam findings that the veterinarian finds when he comes to examine the horse. And it's important that, that the veterinarian knows what's, what's been given to the horse before he or she gets there. there as I said, if you can provide this information that we've just gone over to the veterinarian, that gives the veterinarian more information as to the status of the horse. He or she can make a recommendation based on that information. Yes, I'd like you to give uh, you know, a specific medication. This is how much I'd like you to give, and here's when I'll be here. And it, it helps the veterinarian to say, okay, I have to drop what I'm doing and get there right now, or based on the information you've given me, I can continue on with this other emergency or uh, I can come finish what I'm doing and then come over there, you know, in a, in a uh, you know, slightly longer period of time. And that's, I think, in everyone's best interest to make sure that uh, you can get these physical exam parameters, basic parameters to your veterinarian, Conver- converse with the veterinarian as to whether there's medication that should be administered before he or she gets there, and then any other um, things that should be done. You know, should the horse be walked? Should the horse be just monitored? What, what does the veterinarian suggest? I want to talk a little bit about um, prevention of colic. Many, many times there's absolutely nothing we can do to prevent colic. It seems to strike out of the blue with no forewarning and uh, no... Uh, you know, nothing that we could have done to prevent it. There are, but there are some basic uh, management um, skills or, or factors that should be involved in any well-managed horse situation that can help reduce the incidence of colic. First and foremost would be parasite control. We've talked a little bit about parasites in one of the other shows, but that's certainly got to be the top of the list. Uh, a parasite burden certainly can contribute to an increased incidence of colic. Next thing is make sure the horse has a consistent diet with adequate roughage. Horses are grazing animals. They're meant to be grazing all day, all night, all the time. The closer you can get to approximating that, the better off you are. Certainly, as many horses here in Southern California live, there's no way they're going to approximate uh, grazing all the time. They, you know, because of the land situation and the and the uh, parched parched land that we live on. We don't have nice green pastures like you do in Kentucky. So in a situation like we have here, the best thing that you can approach is to feed them smaller meals of hay throughout the day so that they have something to chew on most of the time. Another thing that I think is important is regular exercise. I think if you think about people, we always feel a little bit better if we get a little regular exercise, and I think the horses are the same way. The horses that are confined to a stall for injury or illness I think are a little bit of an increased risk for colic just because they're not getting out and moving around as much. Another factor that I think is important is try not to feed your horse on the ground. This is less of a factor probably in an area where you have good grass cover, but uh, most areas I think you want to make sure if you're feeding them hay, put it in a large container, you know, a large tub. Don't put their grain on the ground. When they're eating on the ground, they're more likely to pick up dirt, debris, sand, and certainly if you live in areas like South Florida, most of Florida actually, some of the Carolinas, uh, where the soil is very sandy, you want to be very careful about that because sand can be a huge contributing factor to colic. And in those areas, you probably also want to consider adding uh, a product like psyllium, 
to help move the sand through their intestinal tract. Now, colic, you know, the, the terminology for colic really just means abdominal pain. It's fairly nonspecific. So it, it does not designate what the specific pathology is in each case. In most cases, when you look at colic, there's basically two, two things you have to think about as a veterinarian. One, is it a medical colic, something that can be treated with medication, with supportive care, or is it a surgical colic, a, a colic that can only be corrected by surgical intervention? Is it a twisted intestine? Is the piece of intestine out of place? Is there a tumor perhaps wrapped around part of the intestine? And, and those, of course, strike the most fear in, in all of our hearts because those are uh, the most serious and potentially most devastating colics. But the good news is that probably 85 to 90% of colics are medical, or most of those are what we call impactions or gas colic, where there's a large um, mass of ingesta or food that's been digested that gets stuck in the intestine. A surgical colic will not recover without surgery, and in those cases, time is of the essence. And in evaluating those horses as the owner and trainer, you have to evaluate you know, how far are we to the nearest clinic. Because if you have a horse that's violently throwing themselves on the ground, you're going to need to get that horse to a clinic as soon as possible, and, and you're not going to want to wait um, on that. I think, you know, I just want to go over a little bit of the classic signs of colic. I think we're all pretty familiar with, with those, but it, you know, the signs of colic can range from something as mild as not eating or just kind of standing around looking a little listless uh, through maybe laying down, occasionally looking at the sides, pawing up the stall a little bit, uh, through you know, rolling all the way up to, as I mentioned, sort of the violent throwing themselves down the ground where you can't keep them up. I think any time you have one of these situations, uh, you want to make sure you take away any food they have. If they've got colic, you do not want to keep giving them food because the food is clearly not going through the intestinal tract. You want to go through the, you know, take the temperature, pulse, and respiration if you can. You want to check the mucous membranes. Generally, it is a good idea to walk the horse. It helps both in helping things to move through the intestinal tract as well as keeping them up from rolling. The, I'm not opposed to a horse if they're laying down quietly. I don't think those horses necessarily have to get up and walk, but if they're rolling and certainly if they're uh, really in, in discomfort, the more you can keep them up and rolling, I think the less likely you are to have something end up in the wrong place. And, of course, uh, you want to call your vet and make sure you're cautious before you administer any medications. Once your vet does get there, vet's going to do a physical exam, check all of the physical parameters that, that you have checked, uh, listen to the gut sounds, they're going to check the manure, uh, they're going to do a rectal exam to evaluate is there something that's uh, either, do we have an impaction, which is typically fairly readily felt on rectal exam, or are there loops of small intestine large, is the small intestine where it should be, large intestine where it should be, just a general evaluation of whether things feel normal or not in the abdominal cavity. And then they'll also pass a nasogastric tube, which is passing a tube directly into the stomach. As, as I'm sure most of us know, horses do not have the ability to vomit. And so things can back up in their stomach, and if that pressure is not relieved, they can actually rupture their stomach. So the nasogastric tube uh, is actually both diagnostic and can be therapeutic uh, as well. So the passing the nasogastric tube, a veterinarian can evaluate, is there fluid that's backing up into the stomach? 
If so, they will relieve that. If not, they may uh, opt to administer some medication, fluids, um, mineral oil, electrolytes through the nasogastric tube. And then at that point, the veterinarian will have a, a fairly good sense of whether this is a medical colic, whether this is a surgical colic, what treatment he or she wants to administer, and then is this something that can be administered at home or does the horse need to be transported to a clinic? I think that's a fairly fairly uh, complete discussion of, or brief discussion, I should say, on colic and you know, what as horse owners we can do and sort of the general scheme of how things play out in a, in a colic situation. Well, that's enormously helpful, Jenny, and I think an essential reference for all horse owners, you know, just what to do and what to look for. And uh, as you say, the essential TPR rates, t- temperature, pulse, and respiration, they should, should become uh, second nature. They should be the, the habit that you, you know, it's, a, it's an instinctive thing to be familiar with each horse's TPR rates. And, and I always use the other acronym of ABC, Jenny, appearance, behavior, and condition. So when you look at a horse, you know those things. Um, you know yes. what's what's normal for that horse. Yes, absolutely. I think that's very true. Well, terrific. Well, thank you very much indeed for that, Jenny. As I say, pretty essential information for every horse owner, and uh, we, we we appreciate you sharing that knowledge with us and uh, look forward to you coming back uh, next week. Oh, well, thank you, Chris. I look forward to it as well. Well, as I said, this tip was taken off of episode number five of the Jumping Radio Show, and you can hear that complete episode at jumpingradio.com. And don't forget, you can hear all of the other shows on the network at horseradionetwork.com. Contact us right through our website at Horse Tip Daily, or you can check out all the show notes or go back and listen to past shows. A lot of people, when they come to Horse Tip Daily and discover us for the first time, go back and listen from episode one. Because remember, these tips are not timely that they uh, they apply today or yesterday or four months ago or four months from now. So you can go back and listen to all the tips if you like by downloading them through iTunes or Zoom or just listening on the website at horsetipdaily.com. Well, I'll be back again tomorrow with another new veterinarian and a different vet tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone. <laughs>